0: The code word for today's episode to text 590 590 to qualify for your shot to win Lee Bruins tickets on April 29th is Smith.
1: Also coming up, Randy Banks from the Toronto Ice Owls Blind Hockey Team. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's got There's a great uh, charity event this weekend. Uh, but, but, but. Before we do that, let's welcome in Aaron Ward. Wardo, how are you? Where are you? What the heck's going on?
2: I am uh, in Raleigh. I'm dropping my daughter off who is heading to the beach on a vacation with a friend. It's uh, 87 degrees wow. here in Raleigh. Yeah.
3: That sounds okay.
2: So, it's It's good, <laughs> but it's just, you know, you like to ease into it. So the other day it was like... 40 degrees and today it's almost 90.
1: Well, speaking of easing into it, Leaf fans thought and, and really wrapped their heads around the last few weeks that it was just going to be the Leafs uh, uh, in Tampa Bay. And that was coming off uh, a huge win where they won 6-2 about two and a half weeks ago in Tampa. And yet last night has been uh, a bit of a curveball for a lot on uh, the old saying, be careful what you wish for. What did you make of uh, last night's game against the Leafs in Tampa?
2: Well, I think it's motivation, right? So as much as you laid out exactly what the path was for Toronto, I think the path was different for Tampa. Tampa's still invested because truth be told, if you listen to John Cooper over the last two weeks about how his Tampa Bay Lightning team has played, it's, it's not exactly been great. They've, they've, they've kind of still sought out their identity in some of these games and games they haven't even shown up. So Uh, John Cooper is generally a pretty positive guy. And you've heard him talk about the fact that this team has had a negative effect uh, in terms of where they're headed into the playoffs. So I think there's a little bit of a panic in the Tampa locker room, knowing that in the same state currently, the Florida Panthers seem to be a juggernaut in the East. And that you know two-time defending Stanley Cup champions aren't exactly, not limping across the line, but they're not just blowing the doors off. So I think there was a little urgency to their game. That being said, you know, I would pay attention to, to the fact that this Tampa team is, is lethal, that on, on a, you know, the tip of the hat, they can change how they play, a little, little uh, injection of confidence, and, and they're back to being an elite team in the National Hockey League. So if, if I'm Toronto currently, and I'm a coaching staff or a management or I'm even a leadership group, to this locker room, I'm trying to package this as a complete throwaway game. Nothing, nothing to, nothing to learn from, nothing you want to lean on. Uh, it, it just happens. It's a course of the season and I wouldn't dwell on it, but <laughs> I would be aware that Tampa could be, uh, yeah, something to deal with.
3: Well, how do you reconcile how their season has gone versus all the talent on the team? Cause like, I know, you know, you, you're digging into the odd numbers thing here and there like Tampa's numbers aren't through the roof, you know, uh, defensively or offensively eighth, ninth, 10th. They're not, you know, they've been raging in first place in the past and scoring goals. What do you make of their step back? And, it, you know, does it mean anything in light of them still having all of the talent that has won
2: them Stanley cups? It's it's funny how you have to gauge the East right, right now. So, and I would say that I think some of this is, is a, is a product of, of the conference that, you have an incredibly competitive group. I mean, you again, I keep going back to the fact that there are eight teams in the East that honestly, at stages of the season, believe they had a decent shot to make the Stanley Cup Finals and maybe win it. And now you're going to have at least three teams stepping out of the Eastern Conference playoffs in the first round feeling like, good God, that was the greatest chance, one of the best chances we had of doing something, and this is our fate. So I would say there's... A partial amount of hangover, I mean, let's be honest, like the, the team in, in Tampa has played an exorbitant amount of games and an un, unfamiliar schedule, right? You're playing in the summer, you're playing extended, you're playing in in at times that are not normal, and, and NHL players are creatures of habit. So now you're into the third season, you're supposed to be getting yourself along the way again as, as a potential favorite to win the Stanley Cup for a third consecutive time. You're going to make history in some capacity. hasn't been done in a very long time. And now you're up against the Floridas, the Carolinas. I mean, even the Pittsburghs and the New York Rangers that are that are really good teams. You got Toronto's like, it is a deep conference. So I wouldn't judge a team, any team in the East, solely by their individual performance. I would look at the fact that there's attrition going on. There's not just physical, but a standings attrition of like, you have to account the fact that there are some really good teams that on given nights, you're just going to have to accept your, it's not your night and they're going to take it from you. Well,
1: the narrative since what, uh, 15 years now is parody. The salary cap brought parody. And yet I've never seen before teams lock in their playoff spots in November. And I'm just wondering at, at certain points, every one of these eight teams that have been locked in for over half a season now have, have stumbled a little bit here, uh, Can we connect the dots here?
2: Well, I I would say some of the stumbling happens. Like I don't, I'll look at a Boston team. I don't truly believe Boston is a team that's made for, for progressing on the playoffs. I I would look at other teams and say, Hey, listen, I think it's mental exhaustion. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, we, we've all played. There are stages of the season inexplicably that you go through a dry patch. Generally it happens in the doldrums of February and in the March where you're trying to find your motivation and the repetition of going to the rink every single day and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as you start to see, you know, maybe there's some urgency in the standings or you're getting closer to playoffs, you, you have that internal kind of excitement that's elicited. You, you start to feel really good about your game again and you, you ramp up for the playoffs. I, I just, I can't explain why some of the teams are struggling, but I mean, again, there's, it's, it's so good in the East... If if I'm a mar- someone marketing the National Hockey League, a lot of things are working in my favor for the American team for American broadcasters who have the rights right now. You have ready-made key matchups. You don't have to wait for the conference finals to be interested. Everything in the East interests me. Then you have you know not just the marketability of the players that are involved in the playoffs, right? So even the you know, I mean I haven't even mentioned Washington after afterthought, right? So now. We're looking at the fact that we've got scoring up. It seems like there's tons of scoring. I'm sorry for all the motorbikes going by as I'm, I'm sitting here talking <laughs> on radio. Um, but like I said, there's so much about this game that I think we could, we're, we're anticipating happening in the playoffs that there should be a level of excitement over the entire product of what the, what the league's going to have to offer from the first round, not having to wait into the stuff in the mainly third rounds. Yeah, so
3: the uh, the most interesting race then, you know, the East obviously very compelling, but the West is the, what's going on in, in Las Vegas with their situation. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on how it's gone for them this year? Like, do you still think that if this team found a way in, they would
2: be super dangerous? I I I think they could be dangerous. Here's the thing. Well, one thing we learned last year from the Montreal Canadiens is get yourself in there and, and see where you go. Yeah. Right. Inevitably, there can be a motivational factor that can be a unifying of a team. No one really knows what happens in in a locker room that makes a team competitive and makes another team come playoff team peter out. I think the funniest part is, had you talked about a team whose name starts with loss, it was not Vegas. I mean, sorry, it was Vegas and not Angeles that was going to make the playoffs. And and I think it's amazing that we're now looking at a Vegas team that has such a, we would have said the, the window is massive. And that the acquisition of Eichel and, and circumventing the CBA legally, however, like this is working out. Like you're getting a ready mix Tampa Bay Lightning opportunity that they've had with Kucherov. Now you've got guys. You're going to get guys under the salary cap. This is going to be great. And and now you're looking at a team that is going to be falling flat in their face. Honestly, I'm sorry. Like motorbikes.
1: No problem, caps, pal.
2: I have no idea. Hey,
1: <laughs> it's, Just try and move through. It, it can get worse <laughs> here real quick on our side too. Don't worry about that. <laughs>
2: For me, I, I am shocked, utterly shocked, at the disappointment that Vegas has been. And I think that a lot of people thought that, you know, in, in the same in the same vein that you, you, you acquire a, a key player and you think that's going to put you over the top, again, there's the chemistry component of hockey that getting all these high-talented guys into a locker room doesn't guarantee you even making the playoffs, is this example.
1: Do you think... That the management team could hide behind just the injuries and whatever Robin Leonard's going through right now?
2: They're going to have to. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there not, there's some debate over whether or not Leonard should have surgery on whatever is is ailing him currently? Yeah, I I think
1: that's the latest right now is there's a few conflicting reports, I think, that whether or not he should shut it down or it's a maintenance day, as Peter DeBoer, I think... uh,
2: Yes. So, and we will never know because there's a, a shroud of secret management starts potentially stepping into should a player or should a player not be tending to urgency felt in that locker room and in the front offices. So I, I don't know if they can hide behind it. I mean they, they went out and made a bold move in getting Michael and they positioned themselves well for the playoffs. So now you have to make determination. Is the failure on the players? or is it the failure in the estimation of how this this lineup would work itself uh together.
1: Do you think the first place people point the finger at is the commitment to Robin Leonard over Marc-André Fleury? That gets revisited?
2: Uh, I I'm sure we're going mean, to we're going to we're going to basically put everything through the shifter and, and and see what happens. I mean Vegas Vegas in the west had a great opportunity because after Colorado, it was anybody's opportunity in that conference to figure out how things will fall out, right? And I think that everybody was kind of positioning Vegas as a one B behind behind Colorado coming into the season. Now, yeah, by, by all standards, I mean this is this is a failure. I mean, to, to one get eliminated in the playoffs is, is maybe you can start talking about what you're missing, not making the playoffs. Period. I mean, this is an epic failure. So if you're going to start revisiting whether or not you should have stuck with Flory or Lehner, I think you give the organization an opportunity to answer those questions before you start to maybe perhaps uh, dig deeper. Because they 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 may be transparent about what their thinking was there. If it makes sense to the general public, media, and fan base, then we have to make that determination after we hear about it.
3: Wardo, it's always tough to know specifically which teams to ask you about because I know you guys have player and puck tracking technology there and you sift through all that data. And so I just want to throw out a general one about any dark horses that you guys would see around the NHL, um, you, you know, outside of the first place seeds in some of these divisions that may have a shot getting in the postseason. So once they get in the postseason.
2: Uh, okay, honestly, put me on the spot. I'd have to look at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, usually at, I usually look at Toronto-centric. And and uh, God's honest truth, I spend most of the day making a presentation of the edge platform to uh, a West, Canadian Western Conference team.
3: Oh yeah, nice. Well then, uh, oh, yeah. we, we yeah. can focus on those Toronto Maple Leafs then, and how legit the numbers say they are.
2: <laughs> well, the, again, so it's it's the ability it's the ability of of the likes of the Marners and 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 the to get a, the puck cross into the uh, offensive zone without turning it over. That is the key for Toronto. I feel better in terms of continuity and, and, and with the addition of Giordano of solidifying that group, I still question from, from a goal even beyond the numbers of what the analytics numbers say about goal if you end up against most goalies in the East right now, I'm still don't, I still don't feel very confident in what Toronto possesses between the pipes, no matter who you provide. Right. Right? If, you're, if you're doing the check marking of, you know, where's the balance of power fall, I think, you know, if you end up with Tampa 100 percent here we are sitting at uh, goaltending, no. Do I feel more comfortable with uh with Tampa on decor? Yes, I do. From there, I feel like it's it's a toss up, may lean in, in, in Toronto's favor, but what we know about the playoffs is is the ability to play defense, to lock things down given that opportunities uh decrease over the, the, the term of the playoffs. How does how does Toronto react? And our most recent experience as, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan base, is thinking about what did Marner do last year? And we don't have a lot to, to feel full confident about. We feel like there's been some turnover and some questions about how certain guys may react in the playoffs. Um, so, I, again, I don't, I'm, I'm a little nervous for the Toronto Maple Leaf fans as to what well, that way. Without being, without being chicken little, I'm a, I'm a little nervous for the fan base.
1: Aaron, I know I'm older than you, but uh, maybe a quick thought on uh, our our loss, our Hockey Hall of Fame loss with uh, Guy LaFleur.
2: So I think that was, you know, everybody's kind of reflecting, and I think at at this age group, you know, my demographic, I mean, I kept thinking about the fact that he was the one guy. I grew up a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I grew up in Ottawa. My entire neighborhood was Toronto Maple Leafs. And the only story that came to mind for me was I was thinking about the fact that he was the one guy you were allowed to be from the Montreal Canadiens.
4: Why? <laughs>
2: because before, before social media, before guys having flair, where you got to see who they were, were beyond Ron Duguay, maybe perhaps at that time, Guy LaFleur was the most amazing skater, the, the most amazing game breaker with the persona and personality like so i used to cringe every time you know i if i didn't get bob Gore or or gary dornhopper and i heard dick Irvin's voice it wasn't personal any person about dick it was the fact that i knew i was getting the montreal canadians but then it was almost that satisfaction of knowing oh you're gonna get to see Guy Lafleur, and you're gonna get to you're gonna get to to experience exactly what this guy is all about and how amazing he was so i mean it's, it's tough especially for a montreal community knowing that You know, we just lost Mike Bossy and another great personality, a great uh, budsman for for the game of hockey uh, we've lost uh, today. So it's tough, tough, absolutely tough.
1: Tough week indeed. Uh, Ward, always a pleasure, man. And and your insights, uh, fantastic for our show. We so appreciate you coming on.
2: yo, Borny, what we'll do is you and I will text. You send me the teams you want analytics on. (laughs) I'll contact Shane Kelly. The real brains of the operation that's there in Toronto and I'll just spew out whatever <laughs> call, what he tells me is going on. All right, man, All
1: I right. appreciate it. And we'll we'll hit that up uh before game one puck drop, okay?
3: Sounds good, guys. Appreciate
1: it. Thanks, Wardo. Aaron Ward. Yeah, uh, I'm a little older than you, you know that. So I grew up when he was absolutely in his prime with uh, Jacques Lemaire, Steve Shutt, the great Montreal Canadiens. Yeah unstoppable so cool hate it it's just a natural progression to uh hate the team that is just at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. but he was he was just so good that you couldn't hate him yeah you couldn't Wordo's right like if if somebody already called Sittler and McDonald in a road hockey game I'll take the flower
3: yeah it was crazy. Like I watched a highlight today when he came back to Montreal in a New York Rangers Jersey guy gets a standing O, uh, before the game, they cheer for him when he scores for the Rangers on the Canadians. There's a big, big loud cheer, like crazy how much he resonated and it wasn't about the team so much as like this guy was separate from it all. And, um, yeah, legend. As, as I mentioned, he just always seemed cool to me. Like everything about him was just cool. Yeah. Nice pictures really of him off cool. the ice and the Hair flowing, beautiful.
1: All right. As promised, another cool guest on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Let's welcome in uh, Randy Banks. And Randy is a player with the Toronto Ice Owls Blind Hockey Team. And they've got a charity event uh, this Saturday, a fundraiser at uh, Eddie Bush Arena in Collingwood from 1 to 3 p.m., and I thought it would be a great opportunity to kind of bring on Randy and and just to bring a little awareness to this yeah, because cool. this is, once again, you want living proof that hockey is for everyone? Well, how about uh, Randy uh, and the uh, Ice Owls? Randy, thanks so much for joining us. How are you?
4: I'm great. Uh, good afternoon, guys. I appreciate you uh, getting
1: me on. Yeah. So... Um, can you tell us a little bit about the ice owls and, 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 and the league in general, or, or at least uh, how you play, where you play. And uh, where did this all begin?
4: Uh, well, uh, yeah, the ice owls were actually were founded in 1972. Wow. We're the only, yeah, we're the only blind hockey team in Ontario. And uh, I got hooked up with them about uh, five years ago Um with my vision loss, I kind of got off the ice, and I I found the ice owls, and uh, we play out of Agent Court uh, every Sunday, um, and we travel down from Collingwood. There's uh, there's players come from uh, Sudbury, Burlington, Woodstock, Collingwood, Stainer, um, because we are the only team in Ontario well, for blind hockey. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's becoming more popular. Uh, we are sponsored by Canadian Blind Hockey. We have a Canadian National Blind Hockey team, hoping to get into the uh, 2026 um, Paralympics. So we're, that's our goal. Um, so yeah, we—it's uh, it, just been great for me to get back on the ice uh, and play the game I love. So <clears throat>
3: yeah. That, I mean, it's awesome. You know, I, I have a, a sledge hockey playing brother, and I'm familiar with uh, a lot of um, different para sports and all that, but I, you know, blind hockey I was not familiar with. Kipper and I were talking about it before the show. Could you explain to people how it works? Because I was like, wait, how how did, wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, wait, are they, but yeah. So can you just explain how it works? I saw some videos. It's fascinating.
4: Yeah, I get I asked that a lot, how do blind people play on Well, the biggest thing is our puck. We use an adopted puck. It's four times bigger than a regular puck. It's made of metal, and it has eight ball bearings in it, so it, it rattles as it moves, and it moves a little slower than a regular puck, so that gives us an opportunity to track it. And our, our goalie nets are three feet high instead of the traditional four feet high. Uh, another rule, and you guys are going to like this one, our goalies have to be blind, totally blind. That's part of the rules.
3: Pardon me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. How do you get mad at him when he doesn't make a stop? <laughs> Absolutely.
4: That's why we, we, we give them a little better chance by, by giving them that extra foot on the net shorter. Right. So, uh, we got a little less of a target to hit. Um we got about three rules. Otherwise, everything else is the same. You walk into a rink where we're playing by hockey, you wouldn't know it was any different other than our puck when you hear it rattle. So, um, we have a We have a one-pass rule. So when you cross the offensive blue line, the player carrying the puck has to make a clean pass, and we have a separate whistle. It's called the one-pass whistle. So it's a separate whistle that goes to let the goalie know that there's a potential shot coming at the net and the other players that... You know, have less vision, um, and we are a league that's open to men and women. So, um, it, it's it's probably the fastest blind sport on ice. Wow,
1: Absolutely. that's incredible! And what is the 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 range? Um, if if you're not completely blind, is is there like a, a cutoff? Yeah,
4: yeah, ten ten percent vision or less is uh, like I'm a B three, so I'm ten percent peripheral or less. Two is less than five percent. And a B-3 is no sight at all. So, so that's our classifications.
1: So, Randy, I, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to listen um, to the game last night, but plenty of uh, chirping between <laughs> Maroon and Simmons last night. And, you know, I, I got to be careful how I phrase this, but on occasion, my – the, the word blind has been described to me with my level of play on occasion. What, <laughs> what, what is chirping like? Because no matter where you are, there's always going to be a little bit of chirping in a game of hockey. What is that like in your league?
4: <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, it can be uh, it's competitive. Don't get me wrong. I just played in a big tournament in Toronto on the 26th of March. It was the national blind hockey tournament, which is the biggest tournament in North America We have uh, players come from all over the UK, out west, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, um, Finland, Sweden. And I'll tell you what—don't get me wrong—it can get pretty crazy out there. That's
1: awesome.
3: Now, have you have you graduated a lot of officials to the NHL per chance? If they come from,
1: (laughs) we
4: get we get the impression sometimes. We, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Uh, Terry Gregson has become a good friend of mine, and he did the wrestling up here three years ago in Collingwood when I had the charity game up here. Yeah, He he lives locally, and we've become good friends, and he's quite interested in blind hockey. And, um, unfortunately, he was out of town this weekend, so he would have been at my game. But, um, yeah, he reffed our game, and he was really, really impressed with the speed. And the quality, like we've got guys that played junior that lost their sight at 18 and um, they're back playing and children and youth. It, it's really, really amazing uh, to tell you the truth. Get, getting people back out on the ice for the game, basically, that we all love to play.
1: Well, Terry's a good man. Hey, Randy, we really appreciate it. And once again, it's this Saturday uh, at the Eddie yeah. Bush Arena in Collingwood from 1 to 3 p.m
4: absolutely there's a huge silent auction um it's gonna be a great event um the local junior team has been on board sponsoring the Collingwood blues um they're sponsoring it um it, it's going to be a great event we've had we got 72 sponsors 65 silent auction items it's it, yeah it's gonna be crazy so so I, I encourage everyone to if they're up this way come on out check it out it's admission uh, by donation at the door and uh, it's going to be a great day. And uh, come on out and see how the visually impaired and blind people play hockey. Randy,
3: is the silent auction all, all done in person? Or is there a website or something we can?
4: No, it, unfortunately, it's in person. Okay. Yeah, it's in person. So. All right. Yeah.
1: We got some little Buddha heading up there as well. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Makes it a, a perfect weekend. Hey, Randy, thanks for joining us and uh, letting yeah. us uh, know a little bit about you and uh, the Ice Owls. We wish you all the best.
4: Absolutely. I really appreciate it, guys, and have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, check out Canadian Blind Hockey or the Shawna Weisell's website to find out more about us, and I appreciate your support.
1: Randy Good ba- luck, Randy. Randy
3: Banks.
4: Thanks. Thank
3: I mean, the video's crazy, right? Like, the, the pucks is, you know, like a dinner plate, God. and it sounds like... Uh,
4: that
1: just, I I, yeah, honestly, it warms my heart that, that awesome. people love the game that much, right?
3: So cool. Truly so cool. And, you know, it's tough not to laugh about it because, you know, sometimes we do make the joke about it of being a, blind. a hell of a joke. <laughs> I, I, would, I would bet
1: right now another case of Little Buddha that this hockey is probably better than your men's league, Sammy. <laughs> I was 100%. Sammy's cooked,
3: by the way. I'm he retired, retired from I'm retired. men's league I'm terrible. last
0: night. Honestly, last night I saw my whole summer flash before my eyes. Got tripped in a super vulnerable position going full speed, which is not very fast, but going full speed, crashed into the boards. Thought I broke my wrist. I might be retiring, boys. Can you imagine, like, rotator cuffs done right like, before golf season? I'm just, I'm done. Oh, I'm just done. Oh, no, that would be the worst. And, like, I actually, my wrist is still barking. Like, it's noticeably sore. So, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think sorry, I'm retiring. Sorry, you played
3: 18 holes at 7
0: a.m. till You're probably yeah, okay. You got out again today? <laughs> yeah, I, did. I did. Yeah, I did. You cheated on me? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I played Humber Valley this morning, 7 a.m. <laughs> This This guy's nuts. Sucks.
1: This guy's nuts. Uh, What
0: would you shoot? uh, 84, but it's it's a par 70. I was awful.
1: You were. were, You were better yesterday. Oh, way better. I was terrible
0: today. Anyways. All
1: right, so where are we going? We going to uh, YouTube questions. questions. We got uh, some tweets out Uh, there.
0: Tell me what. uh, I like this one. This is from. We no longer uh, have preparation. uh, Gagnon Singh on YouTube. He says, which team is most likely, in your opinion, to win the West? Most likely. Like
3: to get through the playoffs in the West, I assume we're talking here? Yeah. Since Colorado's done. Um, I, I just have a really hard time in these questions trying to be the guy who gets predict, cute with it. Predict, predict. No, but like to not be the guy who's like, oh, I think secretly. in Colorado. Colorado's yeah. amazing. I mean, that decor when they're healthy with Taves and McCarr and Gerard, and then a couple of bangers back there, too. Like, the, I really like Colorado. Uh, seems like the answer for me.
1: Is there... Any vibe at all that there will be a few upsets.
3: Yeah. You know, some people think Colorado's soft. They're unproven in playoffs. They their third line so let me pull this up. Their third line's not tough at all.
1: Dark Dark Horse team, Minnesota. Like the blues better though. I don't even... like
3: their, I, their third line is Ben Myers, Nico Sturm, and Alex that, Newhook.
0: That first-round series that's shaping up there with Minnesota and St. Louis is going to be a war, boys. That is going to be a war. St.
1: Louis has, like, six or seven 20-goal scorers, do they not? Yeah. They, they are off the, I the think charts. They're,
3: like, third in the NHL in goals four, and you usually think of them as, like, a defense-first team. They're five goals behind the avalanche. And everyone thinks of the Avs as, like, the super-scoring team. They're legit, man. Yeah. Robert Thomas...
1: I no, love uh, Cairo. I love that team. Vegas is still not out. If Vegas wins every game,
0: do they get in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. They're, so yeah, they're, they're, they're still they? very much alive. Back, They are exactly a couple points there
3: back. They are two points behind Dallas with the same
1: Dallas four games, games to
0: go. They're, yeah, they're in the, but they it. need all eight points. One of the themes on our show all year: Dallas stinks. Dallas does stink. And how are they? They're still in the playoffs. Yeah, well, they they're had trying a to barf it away.
3: Lead a week ago, I, I maybe exaggerated twice there, but they're they're trying to get rid of this thing. They're trying to lose it. Let's check out Dallas' schedule.
0: Do we got any more questions? Oh yeah.
3: Oh, all right. What else we got?
0: What's your ideal bottom six for the Leafs to start the playoffs? John in Toronto. Good question. Good question.
3: Uh, fourth line ideal bottom six yeah for the for the least third and fourth line so I loved Mikheyev Engvall camp really love that line
1: I think you've got to stick with that
3: and then you from there you've got Speza Simmons Clifford or Speza Simmons Blackwell or
1: I'm I'm thinking that you as much as at times you worry about maybe even a Clifford taking a bad penalty I don't see – if it, if it's Tampa Bay, I don't see how you can not play Clifford and Simmons. Both. Both. That, to me, is a must for game one. Based on what I saw last night and the way that Perry's going to run around, Sorelli's going to run around, Maroon's going to run around, 100% I need Clifford and Simmons. And if that means is out and Blackwell's in, so be it.
3: Yeah, I think I agree. Are you with me a little bit? If it's in Tampa Bay, I am. Like, if it's in the hostile environment and it just feels like the world's on top of you, it's nice to have those big bodies to help you push through. If they're in Toronto and you can put together a line with, you know, no, I think Blackwell you, I, and I, I, Spezza and I think go you're out losing,
1: there. And, you're losing your two games in Toronto if you even take your foot off the pedal and don't even think about uh, Homer away. Guys they're coming at you no matter garbage. what. They've, they, they've proved it. Tampa Bay's though has proved it over the last few years. They're coming after you, and Corey Perry. Oh my God! Come on, like this guy. I'm not, I'm not this, making my playoff this, lineup because of Corey Perry. This guy's a pain in your ass for now he is, two years. But he's years. a
3: pain in the ass regardless of who you put out there.
1: No, mm-hmm. no. But you need you need a little pushback off of it. You can't give him a red carpet. Yeah. You need somebody, and at least Clifford and. Simmons, even though they're $2,500 uh, poorer because of fines, uh, fines. I really fines.
3: Clifford trying to like. He bonked him. He, he gave him a good old bonk. He just bonked
1: him right there. Hey. Bonk. Hey. Cliffy. That's the best 2500
4: oh, yeah. box you yeah. can and spend. And too, flying right? in
0: there, shoulder up into the head. could easily
1: spend that on the boys on a Saturday night. I bet you uh-uh. the boys spend that on them. Better
0: better spent on the little I- conk on the head. So no <laughs> no chance Willie Nylander, third line, starting the playoffs in the bottom six?
3: Again, for me, it's where you are. Like, if you're at home, I think you're second
0: it. line, third I line. It. I'll tell you
1: what, though. If road. I see more games out of Willie Nylander, like I did last night. Uh-oh then, you know,
0: you're you're not starting in my top six. Uh, Okay, okay, yes. I didn't know where you were going with that. You're going to scratch them? this is a thought that's bounced around in my head, and I've never actually verbalized it, and somebody verbalized it on YouTube. This isn't a question, but it's an interesting thing that I've thought of and I didn't know if anybody else had. Uh, This Leafs team, this is from ACH on YouTube. This Leafs team reminds me of the Ottawa Senators of the early 2000s very skilled but couldn't get past the tough maple leafs i really don't see this team going past the first round and this is something that i've thought of about the leafs and being skilled and then running into a team that's got a ton of skill really good at goaltending that carried the Leafs through a lot of those series but see, it's an and that's where par- i start it's an interesting parallel when when i think of that team cujo and then eddie Belfour. yes and more importantly for ottawa patrick Lalime, horrible goaltending you think of the two goals I, from New and I can all I can think of is yeah. those goals when I think of it. The exact Lean, same one, the five holes. Who was it? Who is it wasn't it? even five. It was New and Dyke, and it wasn't even five hole. It was just like through his chest. Like, it was yeah. the weirdest
1: goals. And if you're the Ottawa Senators, you're you're on that bench, and you're you now you're watching through your glove your gloves. Yeah, uh, you're done. You're absolutely done. And it's
3: actually a good reflection of how people will look back on these Leafs teams if they don't win. They'll say, God, those were talented teams. Or You know, there'll be some affection from the fans. God, those were good teams. Hey, they just couldn't get it done. That's like the best case scenario if you don't win a round or two.
1: And not to put more pressure on Jack Campbell,
0: but...
3: Don't be Patrick Laleem.
0: Exactly. Patrick Laleem was Unbelievable in the regular season. I was a big Marvin Senators. the Martian fan. So. So, he was a really, he was like a Vesna candidate goaltender. He was so good. Are you now, if you're Sheldon Keefe
1: now, you're just, are you, are you? is there enough in these four games to really build a little bit more up for him? For him personally or for the players mm-hmm. or for the fans or for yourself? Or are you just now at the point where, Let's roll the dice with Jack in game one. That's it, bud. Throw it out there. Jack knows he's See, the guy. I think there's still some meat on the bone here. To what? Just pitching a shutout. Yeah. Uh, stopping 35 of 36. I don't know. Get a 42 mojo of 43. Going? Yeah. Something more. Just another right where he's. Something him to think he's about just, when he's moving well. He's yeah. just kind of a, a few consecutive. Good
0: games now going in, or yeah. do you not care? Um, somebody just texted in. Uh, Sends fan, he says. Laleem was hurt. You guys are right, though. <laughs> 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 Let me defend yes. my team, but yeah. also, a good point. He's was, he was, uh, uh, like, you're bang on. Laleem was out with a sore coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this last question I had, maybe a little bit too uh, big picture for the End of day Friday. End it's of fine. day. But uh, did last night's loss give the Leafs more demons? Heading into round one,
3: I, I, I think they hid behind excuses last night. Matthews and out, that was Campbell's from, that was not from in. Q. Yeah. To, to me, it's they, they are. There's too many excuses for them to take last night too personally. No Muzz, no Matthews. Yeah, no I Campbell. agree with that.
1: And, and you're talking about the middle of your ice. You're talking about three of your best players up the middle of the ice, from mm-hmm. the net out to your number one shutdown guy. In Muzzin to your number one centerman Austin Matthews. That's that's significant, and I know Point was out too. I get it; he is in many ways equally as dangerous in the playoffs. Historically, one of the best now in history, modern day.
3: He he in playoffs. So Kipper and I were talking about this at break. He has zero point eight eight points per game in the regular season. points per game in the playoffs. Braden Point. Braden Point has like 75 points in 68 playoff games. How old is he? 20 something?
0: How did he go in the he was a second rounder, right?
1: At least,
3: yeah. Second or third? Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy.
1: The one thing between Matthews and Campbell, does Muzzin come in and does he come in and find his game? Boys, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm most know.
3: worried about Muzzin. Of those three names, I by don't, far. I, wow.
1: I look at that blue line last well, night, Matthews. and <laughs> it does not match up well against Tampa's blue line. Yeah. You know, once you take, you put Muzzin in
3: and you bump one of Hall, Lilligren. By the way, Hall. Uh, you know, I know you guys said you'd have Hall out when I said Lilligren or Labushkin, and I'd keep Hall in. Hall did not do himself any favors last night. God, the one turnover, he's got both his hands at the top of the stick, like, not leaning on it at all. Trying to push
0: it out with a backhand.
3: The whole thing was, like, sweeping. We got a a
0: very relevant text for that. Great show, guys. Does Justin Hall ever throw a body check, or is he just on the lease for his goal-scoring ability? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Justin Hall, if I'm
1: not mistaken, is your biggest defenseman. Yeah, but height, yes. Okay, but... Oh, so what, oh what is God. bigger? Height. <laughs> well
3: right? width. No, well, sure. Right? Jake Jake wasn't a bigger guy. Yeah, yeah, He's 6'2, yeah, 220 yeah. or whatever. He's yeah. bigger than Justin Hall. It's 6'3, 114. But the, yeah. the the
1: perception of your biggest guy is usually your tallest guy.
3: Well, then you got Engval, Mikheyev. They got a bunch of tall, lean guys who don't want to fight you.
1: They're tall. But I'm talking about the blue line. Okay. I am specifically talking about your blue line. Yes. Where you got 6'6. Six, six, Six four six three out of Sergeyev. Yeah, they're huge. They're huge compared they're to every They're Huge. Team.
3: Yeah, but
1: you need Hull to okay. Don't don't play six four, but play six three or two <laughs> six two and a half. <laughs> don't six, don't, one. don't play six, one? five ten. Yeah,
3: you know I think when he's playing really well, he does that thing where players are going down his side and he gets his stick in and rubs them out and eliminates the play. He's not he's not ever. You're never going to see him on a highlight reel blowing a guy up. Never.
1: Okay, Sammy. Yeah. Prediction time against the Florida Panthers. 11-9. Uh, I was going to say 15-14
0: Leafs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Is Austin playing? Does Austin get to 70 uh, Saturday
0: yeah. night? I don't know if Austin plays on Saturday Austin's night. playing Saturday. All right. It was a
1: short week, but a good one, I would say. Our Great thanks. Stanley
3: Cup in the house.
1: Our thanks to Lord Stanley, Doug McLean, Aaron Ward, and Randy Banks. Sammy, you golfing again tomorrow? Do Sunday. I lose my invitation again? Sunday. All right, Sunday. And we're back Monday. Looking forward to it, inching every so close to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back on Monday. Real Kipper and Born.